0: awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast
1: now? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, welcome to the Death to Life podcast. I'm Richard Young. And I am excited that you are here. Man, so much has been going on um, with this podcast recently. and I just wanted to say um, that I just I've just felt so blessed and, and humbled and privileged that people are hearing this thing and some truth is being revealed because I've just been getting um, I've been getting messages from people saying that this has been super helpful and their walk as their understanding freedom. And so I'm just, I just want to start this mug out by saying, yo, praise the Lord. And if you feel like somebody needs to hear some of this, man, feel free to just, to just send them the podcast. Um, Man, I talked to a guy for like two hours last night who uh, knew me from before and then heard the podcast. And, um, man, it was just an opening to a great conversation. So, so much has been happening, so much. And uh, so, I love it. And today, man, we got another awesome episode with a guy I've never actually met before, but his name is Michael Loomis. And I heard about this dude, and I... He runs a couple. He runs a Sabbath school for us, and man, I resonate with this story so much. Some of the stories, like, I don't resonate with, like, like Dallas's story. I love Dallas. I love her story, but man, I'm just listening to. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. His story I resonate with because of. Oh, uh, you'll maybe you'll hear. Not the basketball thing. He's he was he's this crazy basketball player, and um, I resonate somewhat somewhat with that but just his effort to try hard, and you'll hear some of this, and man, his life is beautiful, his heart is beautiful, he's been given a new one, and his testimony is so awesome. So I'm excited for you guys to hear this thing, Uh, and you get to hear it right after I stop talking about uh, it. So uh, with all that being said, buckle up, strap in, let's start the podcast, love y'all, appreciate y'all.
0: Yo,
2: Richard, are you about to do the podcast? On my soul, the price, yeah, paid for. Oh my god, that's the life I was paid for. We do it major. We do it major. Yeah, I'm yeah. a soul, the price that's yeah, paid for. Oh my god, it's the life I was paid for. We do it major major on my soul yeah chase speed for soul my god is the life i was made for we do it major we do it major yeah put off the chains we bounce up in the night look out yeah god give me like no clout,
1: this i'm not sure how i ran into like who you were or I, like, obviously we've not met in person. You live in Washington, correct?
3: I live in Portland, Oregon. Okay. You live in
1: Portland, Oregon. And like, I'm cruising yeah. on the internet and it seemed like, Oh, there's this guy and he's kicking it with Tyler. But it, it almost felt like, Oh, i I probably know this guy. And then I'm like, Tyler, who, who's, who's Michael Loomis? Do I know Michael Loomis? And he's like, <laughs> no, I don't think you do. And I'm like, well, what's the story with this guy? And then he started telling me your story a little bit, and then he's like, "Yeah, Michael, uh, he's a huge baller." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and so one night, me, uh, Tyler, and Jonathan—and maybe you remember this because maybe we were messaging you—we're just going back and forth watching your high school and college clips, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and I was like, and Tyler's like, "Yo, this dude's story is crazy," and I was just like, uh, I'm going to need to hear this story. So I don't know where your story starts. I know that there's basketball in it. I know that there's freedom in it. Um, where, where, where do you think it started? Where were you um, in your understanding of who God was and the value you had when you were growing up?
3: Hmm. So my story starts at the beginning. So my parents, I was actually born in Nairobi, Kenya. Oh, word. I don't know if you can tell by, by looking <laughs> at me, yeah, but I'm a, for anyone who's listening to the podcasts, I'm the palest dude you'll ever meet, so, but yeah, so my parents were missionaries, so I was born in Nairobi, Kenya, so I lived there for a year, so my family, like, my family, very, very religious, very Christian, so that was the foundation of my upbringing, so, and then also hoops was, everything was number one, my grandpa, I don't know if you guys got into this, but my grandpa, he was a three-time All-American at Purdue. He played on the 1960 Olympic team, won a gold medal with Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, Jerry Lucas. Like He's friends with those guys to this day. He was actually talking the other day about hitting up Oscar once he goes to Florida. And he calls him Oscar. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> the and then they go he's like, oh yeah,
1: I'm going to text Oscar. We're going to play a round of golf. We're just going to hang out.
3: Uh, so funny, I stole his number off my grandpa's phone. So I have Oscar Robertson number in my cell phone right now
1: (laughs) just a humble brand. so that's just a humble breath yeah how tall is he he was
3: rookie of the year he's about six 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 seven okay yeah so rookie of the year three-time all-star my dad played basketball at stanford and harvard my mom played and also played volleyball at oregon so i was raised in a an athlete family and so basketball is like from the time i was two i had a ball in my hands like it was everything to me and so yeah i had a pretty From what I remember, a relatively normal upbringing was raised in the church, Bible study, Sunday school. Actually, it's funny. When I first accepted Jesus, I think I was three years old. And I think the Sunday school teacher did the classic hellfire and brimstone Uh message. And I'm like, dude, this sounds terrible. Like going to hell? Are you kidding me? So I went home, accepted Jesus into my life so I wouldn't go to hell. And that was kind of my whole faith a lot of my life early on was. There was this idea of hell and then there was God. It was like, okay, one or the other. I don't want to go to hell, so I'm just gonna do this this Christian thing. But I never really saw life and I never saw anything different. I just like I was a troublemaker. Yeah. And so I was always, you know, going against authority. And so I don't think people knew how to handle that in the Christian schools I grew up in and the church. And so um I was kind of I didn't rebel, you know, in the sense of doing a lot of crazy stuff, but I just kind of went through the motions. Um, But yeah, relatively normal upbringing for me Um, from what I remember. So why why were you getting in trouble?
1: What was going on?
3: Man, I don't know if it's like I just anti-authority growing up where someone tells me what to do and I didn't want to do it. Looking back, we had more family problems than I think I knew at the time. So it's just really interesting to see how generational stuff happens, right? If you know, you have parents living from lies and they have, say, it's anxiety or whatever. A lot of times the kid then picks that up. So I was actually a pretty fearful kid as well. Like, I, I found out that I started going to therapy pretty young, mm-hmm. um, because I just had a ton of nightmares. And so I was always kind of fearful, kind of shy a little bit until I, I warmed up a bit, but relatively normal for what I remember from an upbringing. And then... Junior so about middle school is where things really shifted in my for myself and for my family so my uncle he got really sick and almost died and so my mom I think just to preface this like my mom is in such a better place and so because she got the proper treatment that she needed but she kind of had some mental health issues just growing up and then I think a little bit through my early years but then my uncle got really sick. And he almost died. He actually ended up passing away from, he, he needed a transplant and then he ended up dying from pancreatic cancer. And so during that time, my mom went into a pretty deep depression. And so it went to a point where all of a sudden, like my mom's no longer around and she's in her room all the time. I never see her. Um, and it was a lot of it was she went to a, do- a tough spot and I don't want to get this topic much, but she got put on medication and it just affected her very negatively. Like a lot of times it's just, it's just an experiment. They just try different stuff, see sure. what works. That doesn't work. They're putting on something different. So, but she got really, really bad. And so she wasn't really around much, um, growing up. And so that's when I kind of started to, I noticed there was one year where all of a sudden I went into a shell. I was a pretty, you know, I was, I was shy, but I was more of an outgoing kid in class. You know, I knew everyone all of a sudden I was super shy, like pretty insecure, anxious. Um, just didn't want to get outside myself, kind of went inward. Hmm. um, so that happened. And then like my dad, I think he was just trying to figure it out. You know, he wanted to be there for my mom and what he was going through. But it came across everything is how a kid perceives it. You know, I don't know what was going on objectively, but I felt like and I think my sister felt the same way that, you know, we weren't validated in how we felt with the situation going on in our family. So mom's not there. And for me, I don't know what depression is. No, one explained it to me. I'm like, why don't you just show up? You know what's going on here? And so I'm perceiving it. And I I get super mad at her. I'm mad at my dad because he's not validating us. And so just like our relationship and our family just kind of went downhill. And I got to this point where I was like, all right, like it's me, hmm. like it's me against the world. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this myself. And so I kind of went to this place where I was like, I don't need anyone. Um, How, old are How old were you? How old were
1: you when that you think that was going on? When it was you like sixth,
3: seventh, eighth grade?
1: Oh man, those are sixth eighth grade. I
3: started to get to that point. Yeah, that's already a tough time, man. Like, I, you know, I was hurt. It started getting a little chubby. You're going through the growing pains. You got the acne. You know, you're trying to figure it out already at that point. So I'm going through this at that time as well, uh, which was difficult for sure. And then where things got pretty bad. So this got to a point where I couldn't even, and it wasn't until like like this last year where I could even make eye contact with my parents. Really? Because there was so much anger. So my freshman year, I want to preface this. I let my mom no, I was going to be talking about this, but, and this is, again, she's doing a lot better. Yeah. Um, and this was a lot of it reaction to medication, but I get a phone call from my dad freshman year of high school. I'm kicking it with some buddies. He's at a, a baseball or softball thing with my sister, a, a congratulatory end of the year thing. And my mom, because she was sick all the time, didn't go to a lot of events. Uh-huh. And so I get a call from my dad and he says, Hey, go into your mom's room, make sure she stays awake. Cause if she doesn't, like, we don't know what's going to happen. I think what happened in response to the medication, everything going on, she would taken a bunch of sleeping pills. Oh, no. Um, I don't think really knowing what was going on or whatever. And I think to take her life and then she uh, she called my dad last second was like, oh, I made this mistake. So she calls me. and I have to go upstairs to keep my mom awake. Right. Oh, man. Which is a crazy spot to be in. And my dad framed it from a, you know, on medical terms, she couldn't sleep. And so she just kept taking pills, didn't know how many she'd taken. Um, And so I kind of just accepted that, but I knew what the result was. So I go up there, and this is so crazy. I can't believe this happened, but I'm looking her in the eyes.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And I just like, because, I mean, she's drugged up, right? So I look her in the eyes, and I was just disgusted. I I think I looked at her and said, what the hell are you doing?
4: Mm.
3: I looked at her and walked out of the room, knowing that had she potentially gone under, she could have died. And I was okay with that. Which, is wild to think.
1: You're just so angry right? at her?
3: Just angry and disgusted. Like, I even said this post that. for There was a while where I thought, man, my life would have been better had my mom had died. Like, my life would have been easier, more peaceful, not as much anger if she would have died.
1: Wow. So, di- did you is, even know yeah. that this was, like, your reason was anger? Or were you just like, I'm just fed up with her being sick, and you're just kind of at the end of what you could do about it
3: yeah i think for me i've always had the mindset of okay stuff can suck figure it out move on i don't know i've always had this overcoming mentality but i just didn't understand the situation in which she was in she had a lot of hurt she had a lot of pain there's a lot of stuff going on even just biologically like with her body that was happening and so i was just i was just angry because i looked at you know all these other parents all these other moms and they were showing up they were there they were doing all these things i'm like you can't even bring my lunch to school, right so it was this I just had a lot of anger and I mean fast forwarding the lie I believe I was living under I, at the time I felt unloved. I didn't know that right like I felt like I was unlovable because of all that um I didn't know that at the time and it just came out as anger towards her for her not being there, right um and I think there's probably sadness I was masking mm-hmm. um but yeah.
1: Yeah, man, we really don't understand that people, because it's very hard for us to put ourselves in people's situation, and we don't understand that most everybody is doing the best that they can. Like, they make decisions, Uh, and you're like, well, I wouldn't have made that decision. But in their circumstance and what they're thinking, nobody's just like, here's option A, and here's option B. Option A is going to be the best, and option B is going to be not as good but i'm going to go with option b yeah. they're always going to th- take whatever they think is the best but from the outside of course maybe it isn't the best taking a bunch of sleeping pills isn't the best but at some moment at some time she's feeling like it's better in this world if i'm not here and that's like the saddest thing and then you're up there and yeah. you make that decision not because you're you're doing your best with the information that you have and it's all coming from this place of just hurt and just pain, but you don't know it. Yeah. It's just it just becomes an anger. It's fear, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's fear and and that's the thing, man. I've this really just I'm I'm pretty fascinated with serial killers, but but everyone out I say this, like everyone based off their life experience, like even them, like that's just they have an incredibly messed up perspective based off their, their life, but everyone's doing their best given what they've been given. Like I wholeheartedly believe that. Um no one's out there just trying to I don't know. Maybe there's some, but yeah, I agree with you. But we
1: die for a lack of knowledge. Like we don't we don't understand and we don't know things. And so we're we're working with whatever we have, we're with the cards that were dealt, and we don't know that there's just mm-hmm. so much more until yeah. it's revealed to us. So this happens yeah. you said you were what what grade you're you're in when this happened? I was freshman year of high school. And so she obviously freshman year of high school. She makes it But you Mm -hmm. keep going on. What what continues happening in your life after this?
3: Yeah, I mean, that was the biggest, that was the time where I was like, all right, it's just me. I'm going to figure it out. And then I just channeled everything into basketball. I think I just channeled a lot of my pain and my hurt into that. And then also just getting people's approval, you know, because I think I wasn't getting the love I thought I deserved. So for me, I got really good at reading situations and people and being exactly who I needed to be in that circumstance. So I could, I had my homies that were video game players. I had the hoop guys. I had the church people and I fit in with every single one of them, you know, but I kind of lost who I was. I think in that process. So I channeled everything into hoops. um, And then my junior year, I was kind of lazy. And I think a lot of it was, I was very afraid of failure. Mm. Like, I think I... You know, if I didn't try, then did I actually fail? No, and so that was a lot of my upbringing. I didn't fully jump two feet in, but then eventually, my junior year of high school, I I played in an AU tournament. Oklahoma State was interested in me, but they wanted to see how I developed. And so something slipped, flipped. I flipped the switch. Was like, all right, I need to give everything I have to hoops. And so I went like a hundred and ten percent in. I'm telling you. I did the, I was counting my calories. If I couldn't count it, I wouldn't eat it. And honestly got very control of, like controlling about that. Um, But I mean, it was, I was working out, you know, four hours a day um, after school. Like I was so dialed on that and I just put everything into basketball and eventually I put it into school and all that. So my goal was always play professional basketball. Um, I saw my grandpa do it, you know, and so that was always my goal. And so, and, and my time during all this faith, it was really just like show up. It's what I'm supposed to do. You know, if people are going to see me in a certain way. I want to be seen as the, the Christian guy. But honestly, there was nothing to it. I, uh, you know, I wanted to go and get my emotional hit when we worshipped and, and feel good or feel guilty so I could, you know, go try and do better. Hmm. But at the end of the day, I didn't really have much of a a place in my life, you know, until probably later in college. But it was just kind of more, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm just going to do this thing. And just kind of do me on the side.
1: Was uh, your value rising in your own estimation because of basketball, because you were having success, and that kind of made you look at yourself a little bit different?
3: Yeah, I mean, my my value up until, you know, two years ago, a year ago, was very shaky. It was as good as I was doing Hmm. in probably basketball and socially. Um, And if I wasn't the best, if I wasn't the funniest, if I wasn't the most in shape, you know, all this, the smartest, like I felt unworthy or just not good enough. And so it just turned into this thing of always trying to perform, always being on. Like I always felt wherever I had to, wherever I went, I had to be on. Hmm. I had to be 100% if I was tired, if I didn't show up, if I wasn't funny, like it was, wow, like I'm not good enough. I couldn't accept that. So it just turned into a huge performative in everything that I did, and just try to achieve as much as possible.
1: So socially, um, you, so you did have some good times. Would, would kids that went to high school with you, and if they would hear this story about you, would they be like, "Yo, I didn't know, dude, was going through any of this stuff. I would have, I would have said something, or I would have." Would they be surprised at hearing about? the turmoil that your life was at this point?
3: Yeah, probably. And obviously I'm talking about the negative stuff because I want to highlight that because it's yeah, cool death to see to the life, death to yeah. life. But yeah, so I want to highlight the worst of the stuff. But um, no, I don't think so. You know, I think things probably popped through and how I acted. But, you know, I knew how to I knew how to turn it on. Like I could be by myself, someone completely different. I'd go out and it was it was Michael, funny, joking friends with people. So I got really good at just like knowing how to perform in the right circumstance.
1: So what happens with basketball through high school? You, you're pretty good. Your junior year, senior year comes, uh, how's it, how did that go?
3: So, yeah, my my whole, it's really interesting. My whole basketball career has been one of injuries and recovery. And so Junior year, going into my senior year, I was probably playing the best basketball I had had up until that point. I was getting recruited by, you know, multiple Division One schools. I got offered by Air Force. There were some other ones talking to me. Uh, but then I get hurt going into summer of my the biggest, you know, recruiting period. First time backs in a game. I don't play well. Kind of a lot of these Division One schools fell off recruiting me. But for me, it was that not good enough lie that I was living from i'm not division one like who am i Hmm. like i'm a failure so then i just i started training like crazy i had a really good senior year um we won the state championship i was player of the year all the stuff at my level is a smaller level but i had a really good year um so i was hoping through that i would get a division one offer and i had one but i didn't want to go to air force and sign my life off at that time um to serve and so gets to the end of my my uh My senior year season, I'm thinking about going prep school because I still want to go division one. But I think I started to shift like, okay, I'm going to go to a smaller school. I've been at smaller schools my whole life. I'm going to try to go there and then go professional. So I I went to a school in Idaho. I committed to a school in Idaho called Northwest Nazarene University. And it was weird how I committed. I think God wanted me there for a reason. Like I, I committed. I didn't really like the visit. It was a weird circumstance, honestly. But I ended up there and it was probably it was a really, really bad hard year for me i wasn't prepared for it um i got there i moved to idaho which i think my my view of idaho has been skewed by this but i didn't really like idaho i was in i was in nampa idaho there wasn't a lot going on like even i went to the uh the new year's eve like celebration all i did was drop a potato and i was waiting for them to like some i was waiting for some confetti to pop out or something cool and they just drops like three two one and the potato just sits there i'm like this is idaho it's the best
1: they hey got. man sh- but, shout out to uh, idaho anybody listening to idaho we hey. love the potato drop man you guys are killing <laughs> it
3: hey, as a 19 year old i thought it was weird now i can appreciate it yeah sure yeah, i guess yeah. but no i <laughs> idaho's cool man honestly but it was just a bad circumstance i went and the coach he was more than what i was ready for and like, I started to hate basketball. I almost, my dad had to fly out to talk me out of quitting.
1: Cause it, he was just, he flew out, he was just in the fall. getting on you more than your high school coach.
3: It, it was just a bad, it was just kind of a toxic environment, to be honest with you. Um, not, no one enjoyed playing, which I'd never been in a circumstance like that. No one enjoyed playing. We were all just kind of getting through it. And I'm like, dude, I want to quit, go train, and then go somewhere else. But it, my dad flies me out. He flies out, talks me out of it. I end up starting. I one freshman of the year. Um, in the conference that year, but I was like ready to go, man. Like once the season was done, I went and talked to my coach. I was like, I got to get out of here, man. Um, but and then friend stuff happened. It was just a, it was a bad year, mm-hmm. and so I, I left like, not really. I don't know. I was, I don't say I was depressed, but I'm like, man, like basketball is my thing.
4: Yeah,
3: it was everything, and I didn't really enjoy it. So who am I now? So I kind of went through this phase, and I wasn't. I didn't get crazy. But I was partying a little bit. I smoked a little bit. Just nothing crazy, but just trying stuff out. Um, so, But then I transferred down to a school, um, Northwest Christian University in Eugene, now Bushnell. So the coach, have you heard of Luke Jackson? You know who that is? He played for I Oregon, Oregon with Luke
1: Ridenauer, like 2002.
3: Yeah, yeah. So he was the head coach there. So he had recruited me in high school. And I thought he had connections overseas and stuff He's like that. So He's a lefty there. shooter and you're a lefty shooter. So yeah, there's a lot of similarities in our game and <laughs> mentality. So it was, it was a good fit. So I went down there, um, didn't have a great year. Again, my mom went through some stuff where, um, she ended up in the hospital. Um, and she, uh, she had texted some stuff to me and my sister that I'm like, man, like, this is crazy. She's, you know, you need to learn, you know, you're not grateful. You need to learn what it's like to live without me, all this stuff. And me and my sister are like, Oh my gosh. Like, this is crazy. So, I'm, this is still when I'm mad, you know, mad at her. Yo, did you stop the life? No.
1: Oh, it's probably um, buffering or whatever. It'll keep going. But,
3: um, cool. Yeah, so, yeah, and I end up at NCU and it was just like a hard year, wasn't ready, didn't play well, rode the bench and
1: all that. So, um, it seems like like a bunch of expectations you have going in are just. Are not being met. Maybe I should stop the live. I'm gonna stop the live because it looks like we're Maybe. frozen. All right, we're gonna delete the video. All right, that was a good start. You you know now hey, we, I uh, can yeah, focus now. I, now I can focus on just yeah. the story. Um, yeah. So yeah, with expectations not being met, and there's like just a bunch of rules like how we navigate through and um, basketball, it just seems like it's losing its um, its magic that it had for you as a kid. Mm-hmm. What, what's the mindset? You're just like, I'm going to keep chopping wood. I'm going to keep trying. Or did you were you thinking about giving up?
3: I just had no other outcome in my mind besides basketball. So as much as I was unhappy with it, And things didn't go the way I wanted, even when I transferred that first year. Like, I've always, my mentality is always, okay, I'm just going to outwork everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to put so much time in the gym. Like, after that season, I was, man, the hours I put in in the weight room on the court was ridiculous. And I was playing some of the best basketball I've been playing. I was athletic, feeling good. I'm like, man, this next year is going to be special. And then I'm playing in an open gym. And I start running. I thought I pulled my groin. Ended up, long story short, end up at a at a surgeon or a doctor. And he goes, hey, I think you tore your labrum in your hip. Oh, shoot. I said, okay, like, what's the recovery on that? He goes, six to 12 months. I'm like, no way, man, another injury? And I have to, like, what? Like, I was playing well. That had been my whole story was I play well and I get hurt. Play well, get hurt. And so uh, I'm sitting there, I'm driving back, man. I'm, I'm bawling my eyes out. Yeah in the car i'm texting my buddy like man dude i'm out for six to 12 months so i go see my surgeon and he goes honestly man like this is a big surgery like i don't know if you should come back and play basketball Ooh, and that but the thing is that was never in my mindset like i was like i i have to go back i didn't play well i didn't finish well i have to finish well regardless of what happens like how i went out that last year i was angry i was bitter i wasn't a good teammate I was like, man, I can't go out like that. So it started a year long recovery to get back, even to get back onto the court.
1: This sounds like the Bo Jackson injury. Like I don't know what his exactly was, but it's down there on his hip. Would it was a labrum? I don't. I'm not anatomy and physiology.
3: So what? (laughs) Yeah, explain
1: like you just you just rip something that's going to take a long time. Like that's main for turning and moving and everything.
3: Yeah, so it's what Isaiah Thomas did. Um, he was playing with the Celtics, I believe. And so a lot of people tear their labrum in their shoulder, but basically it's the lining on your hip socket. Mm -hmm. And so basically I had too much bone. I had a bone abnormality that was wearing and tearing on that hip. And so eventually it just like tore like a lot of it. Oh man! And so then you have all these symptoms of like all this muscle pain and and tightness and stuff like that.
1: So then you're just going to keep on keeping on in your recovery, right? You're just going to kill it there, right?
3: Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to be the best in this recovery. I never touched my foot down to the ground for six weeks. I did everything right recovery-wise, you know, did everything. Every every exercise, every single day. I was like, I'm going to do this the best. Like, I have to because I don't want to mess my hip up. Like, I have to come back and play. So eventually I came back and played. Um, it took a year just to even get back on the court to play. So then I go into my junior year. Um, Go into my junior year, i'm playing great basketball like i'm you know' one of the better players I'm killing it, and then again, first game, I get hurt oh,
4: <laughs>
3: I get hurt, I thought I retore my hip so i'm I'm texting my mom like hey mom if if i'm if this is it I've already tore it, like can I go study abroad like i'm just I'm done and so it turns out I didn't tear it. it was an injury came back eight weeks um eight weeks later but honestly during that time i learned so much like i grew as an individual of like understand at least from a team perspective mm-hmm. like what it means to be a winner
4: yeah
3: and sacrifice and do the little things like i le- like that time made me the basketball player i was the last two years or at least the last year so i wouldn't go back and change that even during that injury when i was out for eight weeks i was like okay hey, how can i go back and just be a someone so i wasn't a big rebounder i came back was rebounding everything mm-hmm. And I I came off the bench like I thought I should have been playing more. We went to the national tournament, um, and you know, but I you know I was on a winning team. We won conference that year. It was fun just to be learn to be a role player. Mm-hmm. I'd never really been a role player my whole life,
4: right.
3: um, so I had to learn how to do that and find a role. But yeah, man, I, I mean, I came back and you know, kind of going to my senior year where a lot of stuff that's where a lot of stuff started happening. But just for myself personally, but yeah, it was it was a long journey back, and it was it was a grind.
1: So what starts happening for you? personally as you're going into your senior year
3: man so this is usually where i start my testimony so so i go into that year i i redshirted a year so a lot of my friends have graduated and i'm like man i just have a feeling this is a year of growth so i get super into the enneagram myers-briggs like i'm trying to learn everything about myself i'm doing all this stuff with church oh man i gotta backtrack so my faith journey yeah so the, the year i get hurt Like, up until that point, it was religion, do the right thing, try to do the right thing. Like, your your faith was based off of what you did right versus what you did wrong. That's kind of where your standing was. I didn't put a lot of guilt. Like, I was kind of like, whatever. But that's just my mindset. You know, if I went and drank with some buddies and got drunk and whatever, I'd feel bad and guilty. And I'd pray and ask for forgiveness and all that stuff. But so I get hurt. So my buddy, Calvin, who you'll probably run into at some point, he's an unbelievable. He's the closest thing I have to a brother. Mm He'd been inviting me to this Bible study hmm. for a year since I got there. And because I had basketball, I had an excuse. I didn't want to go early morning, like 7 a.m. I'm not getting up at 7 a.m. Hmm. in college when I don't have to. There's no shot. There's no way. So I get hurt. And I'm like, man, I, I get hurt. I'm like, man, I got no I got no excuse. I might as well go. And so I sit down with this guy. And he became a, a big mentor for me just when it came to walk my faith. But he's talking about this this Jesus guy. And just doing life with Jesus mm. and how he, you know, came for us to have life. He's talking about the resurrection, not the cross, where it's used as a guilt. Mm. You know, like he's talking about life, resurrection, um, living like a fifth grader, him being your dad, like all this stuff, and there's no guilt. Like, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Mm. I never heard it before like this, ever in my life. And so that's where I first started taking my faith seriously. Mm. So I've always been a big reader and learner. So I started reading a bunch of books. Um, you know, I got into Judah Smith and mm. and all these people talking about this Jesus guy. Mm-hmm. And I just became very excited about who Jesus was and his life and what he actually called us to do of rest and peace and and all this stuff. How do I apply it fully to my life? No, but I just like like this is so different, like this is it.
1: Well. So yeah. so you're so this this hurt, this time that you're hurt, the Bible study's happening. And so now you're, you're seeing that there may be a little bit more life than just basketball.
3: Mm-hmm. This is the first time I thought I was the most at peace because there wasn't something I was doing where I was putting expectation on myself. So I was at a point where I loved basketball, but I put myself under so much stress that even when I was injured, even though I was fighting back to get back there, like, I was like, okay, I'm not putting myself on this pressure. There's no stress you got to go out and perform. And so like, I had a lot of peace because of that. But also, like, I was just diving into this Jesus thing, Hmm. you know, Um, and then just realizing, oh, there's something more that can guide my life. I didn't really know what it was, but, like, I felt good. You know, the feelings were there. Um, And so I just kind of pursued it. And that's where I started taking, like, I hadn't gone to church consistently, really, up until that point. And I started going to church um, and just taking my faith more seriously, getting into the word. You know, highlighting, reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, just got fell in love with John and, and just the messages and that. Um but yeah, but it was still it wasn't life, but right. you know, I, I was starting to get excited about
1: Jesus. Awesome. So what yeah. then your senior year go into that?
3: So I'm going in thinking this is yeah, so I'm like no one's gonna be there. Um this is gonna be a year of growth. So I made a a pack, I was like, I'm gonna read three hours a day. And so this is crazy. I'm sitting there, start of start of senior year. I'm sitting there in the morning and I'm praying, and written across my eyes, I read change the world. I read it. There's been about two or three times in my life where I felt God had like spoken to me. Hmm. And a lot of it was like I read something somewhere. Like one time I was laying in my bed. I felt like God's presence crazy. This was before that. And written on my chest was Honduras. Hmm. I don't know what that even means. Maybe it has some application later on in my life, but there's like two or three times. So this was the time I like legit read, change the world. And I'm like, at the time I didn't really have the mindset of doing that or believe in myself that I could do that. Right. So it was all about basketball. I hadn't really thought that big. So right away I'm like, okay, read three hours a day. You need to get serious about growth, all this stuff. Right at that time. Like, I believe part of it was spiritual was all of a sudden I get this weird rash on just my knuckles. And so my dad's a doctor, so I sent a picture of it to him and to have him prescribe some antibiotic Mm -hmm. or something or some cream. And so he's like, hey, Michael, I was Googling what this could be. The only thing I can really find is this autoimmune disease called dermatomyositis, where basically you start getting these rashes all over your body. You lose the strength in your shoulders, your hip. You kind of just become like a shell of yourself. And I'm like, no way, because up until this point, my whole identity was, you know, how I'm perceived, right? How do people see me? Am I successful? Basketball, I'm trying to get back to that. And so literally, like all of my fears, my deep lies that were being played off of, like all of them got hit with the possibility of this disease. And so I went into just so much stress, so much anxiety, anxiety. I was probably checking online, kind of OCD type behavior, two hours a day, checking symptoms, diseases. Like I was just in a bad spot, man. I don't think I ever had a panic attack, but there was times where I'm like, this is bad. I'm just waiting for the diagnosis. I'm seeing doctors. I'm stressed out, right? Like this is insane. During this time, I'm also hurt. So I missed the first month when I went back to school because I was hurt. So I, have, I don't even have basketball during this time. So I'm like, man, this is horrible. So, yeah, that, like, started everything. And then because I was at this level of stress and anxiety, like, once I finally got the diagnosis, in medical terms, they never give you a definitive diagnosis. Like, it pissed me off. I'm like, dude, tell me I don't have this thing. Like, oh, like, we're pretty sure, you know, so I never got that full confirmation I didn't have Mm -hmm. it. But they were like, you probably don't. But I'm already at this level of stress and anxiety where dude, it was so bad. Like I was anxious and stressed all the time. I was having intrusive thoughts, like stuff I just couldn't get out of my head and I'm going through life. Right. Um, and so I start playing and it's crazy, man. Like my senior year from an outside perspective was, I mean, people probably looked at me like this dude has it together. Like long story short, I was first team academic, all American. I was all American basketball. I was scholar and athlete of the year at our school. I was Male athlete of the year of our school. I broke like half the record book. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm getting awards for scholastic in our school. So outside, it looks like I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. But dude, I was an absolute mess inside. Like there was one time before a game, we're on a road trip, and we played Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And after the Friday night game, I couldn't sleep. I took eight Dramamine and three quarter bottle of z and I could not sleep.
1: To catch up with you the next day which
3: is it was the worst game i played like i legit felt drunk when i was playing like i, I couldn't concentrate like it was <laughs> i felt terrible
1: <laughs> when the coach was like wake up and you're like uh, it's impossible it's, it's in the blood system by now yeah oh man
3: it was the worst game i'd had i couldn't concentrate i felt tired i was like four for 13 i think that game i don't know why i remember i was probably because of that but um yeah, it was just wild, man. Like just the stress I was under, I would just put so much pressure on myself because it was the one thing, man, like I'm having all this success and I was loving the praise and I wanted more and more and more of it. Like I was national player of the week. I need to do it again. I need to do this again. I need to go out and score 30 points every single night. So I put all this pressure on myself because it was my way at that time with everything going on inside where I was like grasping for something like in praise and admiration was the only thing I could go to, to like give me somewhat of like value because of what was going on inside. I was just so confused. And like, I kind of started doing some research, realized it was anxiety, some OCD type stuff, but man, I was, I was trying so hard to get praise and admiration. And I just,
1: did you ever find out what the rash was?
3: No, I still sometimes get it. Like, I think it's just, I have a weird response. Do you think it was, do you think
1: it was stress or do you think
3: it could have been, it could have been stress
1: man maybe so the stress of just everything being on you your senior year yeah um i'm trying to find out like it's like the chicken and the egg were you stressed because all this stuff wasn't happening or all this stuff wasn't happening cuz you were stressed do you know
3: uh what what what's up with like just about?
1: the not being able to sleep and the anxiety and the all that stuff, the value, searching and reaching for, for who you are, was, was that all because you were stressed or were you stressed because all of that was happening?
3: I think it was like a feedback loop. So I was stressed and anxious because of originally what happened with that possible disease. And so because of that, I started searching for stuff. And because I, I, it wasn't giving me what I wanted, I think it led to more stress, anxiety. I'm trying to fight all these thoughts. I don't know what to do with it. I'm trying to suppress it. You know, just by keeping my head down and moving, couldn't be by myself. And so it's just like, that stuff doesn't, it doesn't just disappear. Like, it's going to keep coming back. Just understanding physiology and our biochemistry. Like, it kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And I just, I couldn't fight it. Like, it just kept coming back stronger. So I had to go out and achieve and do more and just try to channel it into basketball.
1: You know, what you're describing, I don't think is very rare at all. And if, if anything, it's the rule and not the exception. I think most people are living like this and they're searching. And like you were Mm -hmm. saying, it's going as good as it's going. So when you have the 40 point game and you're the national player of the week, life's good. And then when you go three Mm -hmm. for 14, because you're on z life's bad. (laughs) And um, we think that this is normal. And so we pray for the 40 point games and we ask him to not give us Mm -hmm. the four for 13 games. And we think that's what this thing is about somehow
3: yeah man it's just crazy looking back at living that way like it's just crazy because so many people not knowing their value like they're trying to find something like for me luckily my i don't want to say compulsion or addiction was in society's terms acceptable and praised like for me i channel like my uncomfortability my negative emotions what i did was into achieving which in 21st century america Mm. is praised like that's you're doing a great job. You're working super hard. You're grinding. Like you're not stopping. Like that's so awesome. But it's like everyone else, like even like luckily, like I could have been something else. I could have gone to something else. And that could have been my my drug of choice. It just happened to be it was achievement and something that was praised. And so I don't think I really noticed it was a problem.
1: Yeah, I feel like what you just described over you know this injury coming back injury. It's like a Nike commercial in a way where, like, at the end, it's just like, yeah, man, this is what you got to do. But if you do it, you'll, and so people, like, it's not, it's, it's not Christianity. It's not it at all. Uh But somehow we think that because it's nationalism and Christianity are kind of tied up together. And the American dream is pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and make yourself something. And, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's not it, though.
3: It's praise. Like, my, my bent pre, pre-gospel pre was to go and achieve. And, like, we live in a society where if you're sleeping less, you're achieving more, you're taking no days off, like, you're the man. And so I just went hell-bent on that and just dove 100% into that mentality.
1: So what happens after your your senior year?
3: So I had basketball to distract me. So that whole year, I was actually seeing a therapist. So I wanted to get through a lot of my family stuff. I was like, okay, I'm just, I need to move past this. You know, like I need to, not that I wanted to forgive. I just, I didn't want it. I wanted to grow. So I just, I've seen a therapist in Eugene kind of working through some of that stuff. But the year finishes and I didn't have basketball to distract me anymore. So all of a sudden I legit was anxious. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do anything with it. Like it was there. Like I couldn't get rid of my anxiety it was like from morning to evening, and I wake up and I never was, I don't think I was depressed. or like, man, I'm, I don't want to be on this earth anymore. But I was like, man, my life would be a lot easier if I didn't have to go through this every single day. Like I'd get up and it was like, all right, time to put my backpack on. Like, let's just grind through this day and get through it. So eventually got to a point where I'm back home on a weekend and I'm sitting at a computer writing a paper and I legit could not concentrate. I couldn't, I couldn't get out of my head. And so I finally, for me to be vulnerable to my parents at that point in my life was, didn't happen. And I sat them down. I said, mom and dad, this is what's happening. Like, I need to get help. Like, I need help. Like, I I can't keep living like this anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I got connected up with a therapist, a cognitive behavioral therapist up in Portland. So this is the first time where I learned about neuroplasticity. I had a very fixed mindset on who I was. Like, there was stuff I was always going to struggle with. I couldn't change. So I read this book about neuroplasticity. It was like, change your mind, change your life. And I'm reading this thing and I'm like, this is what I've been looking for my entire life. I just didn't know what it was. This is what I thought. Like, I thought neuroplasticity was the answer, right? So, I mean, I went hell bent, man. I read probably 80 to 100 books on everything emotional health in the next, you know, two, three years. Like, I dove headfirst into this. You were the self-help king, bro. Dude, everything, man. So I, I just dove a hundred and ten percent into that. But the thing is, I'm, you know, I'm seeing a therapist in Eugene. I'm seeing one in Portland. I'm trying to figure this thing out. But I'm like, it's so funny because at that time I was reading about generational curses, and so we've had anxiety in my family. We've had mental health issues, and I was like, part of me also when this happened, I found out about neuroplasticity. I was like, game on. I was like this generational stuff, it ends with me. This is not getting passed on. I said, Satan picked a fight with the wrong dude. That's what I told my friends. I was like, he picked a fight with the wrong dude because he woke me up. Mm. And so this is where I'm like, all right, like I'm gonna fight back. I'm gonna figure it out. But the thing is, it was all me. Like I had to do this. And so, so I graduate and I, I start, I get around a buddy who was in a network marketing company. And so I joined this network marketing company because for me, I'm really worried. I'm trying to run away from this thing that I think is in me. Mm. All right, this anxiety, you always, you're always told that, hey, it's always going to be there. You know, you gotta be careful. You gotta manage symptoms. It could come back. I'm like, this is never coming back for me, but I need to be in the right circumstance. I was like, I need to be financially independent so I'm not stressed out and my time's so thin with my kids so I can't take care of myself, all this stuff. So I get in this network marketing company, which I learned a ton, but I'm trying to do everything personal development wise. Like, I don't think anyone was doing what I was doing. I was reading three hours a day. I was meditating. I was listening to one or two podcasts a day. I was putting myself in every circle. I deleted all my social media. I'm like, I don't need any of this influence. Deleted my social media. I, I was like, I need to put myself in every uncomfortable situation. I was super scared of rejection. So I got into outside sales selling copiers. It's the hardest sales you could probably do. So I was like, I need to go prove to myself and overcome this thing in my life. I need a neuroplasticity myself, the peace and the freedom. So I was like, I'm going to do all these things. I have to put myself in uncomfortable situations. I have to grow from it. I have to change my brain by doing that. You know, I'm. It even got to a point where I'm like, dude, asking out a random girl scares the crap out of me. But if I see, I was like, if I see a cute girl, I'm gonna ask her out. I was gonna get it. So I tried to do everything I was scared of, man. And like, I thought I was doing it all right. But honestly, I was so exhausted. Like it was so tiring. Like I wasn't sleeping. Some nights I'd be sleeping three, four hours. I wasn't eating right. Like I wasn't taking care of myself. I thought this is what I had to do to be successful. You know, to get to where I wanted to be. Have
1: you have you heard about this book that the guy tries to live his life by everything that the Bible says, and he he does it for a year, and he writes this book about it, and it's whatever. I think you could write yeah. the book on how to live your life the best way, like Adam won. Like, like hearing your story, I resonate with it because I had all the self help books. Like we we were gonna get it yeah. right um tim ferris was going to lead me to 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 truth or dale carnegie or napoleon hill or any of these people that um yeah and i'm just excited to to hear like i'm sure you learned a lot of things that were helpful
3: oh absolutely but
1: were there answers long term you know
3: the thing is how god worked in my life to freedom was he took me from like not freedom outwards, it was everything outwards
4: mm-hmm.
3: into freedom. So like I learned all about feelings and how much of a lie feelings are. Because at the end of the day, you could have eaten something wrong in the morning It could have affected your body and you're anxious later in the day. Mm. Like to, I just learned like how like your gut, 70% of your serotonin is in your gut. So if you have a messed up digestional, digestional tract,
1: Digestive system, whatever. whatever.
3: If you have a messed up gut, yeah, digestive system. Like that's gonna affect your mental health. So there's so much stuff that goes into it, you're not sleeping. So I learned all the stuff of thoughts, the power of thoughts and what you believe. Like I was taking personal development schools where I was taught that your beliefs determine your thoughts, which determined your feelings, which determined your actions. So I understood how you know, how identity played a role. Like identity became very important to me because we always act out who we believe we are. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Okay. Like, I I started to understand all this stuff, but it was so lacking. Like, there's so many good stuff in the personal development world. Like, I love it. There's elements of truth in there. That's why people are growing. That's why they get, they experience healing in their life. But at the end of the day, there's nothing objective. There's no objective truth to come back to, right? So, if I have to create who I am, I have to write it down in my self help journal and I'm going to say, This is who I am, write it down, believe it. If I hit hard times in life, well, I feel this way or this happened, whatever. Like, how do I know this is who I am? Like, it's just you creating it. So there's nothing to fall back on. And so it's like, you're trying to grasp for something and do all the right things without really knowing who you are. And that's kind of where I was.
1: There's some, there's so much gospel in these books sometimes and they don't yes, know that they're yes. preaching gospel. But like, uh, yes. what's, uh so, what's his name who wrote Atomic Habits? Clear or whatever his name is
3: oh yeah james yeah. clear yeah so, so
1: in atomic habits he's like you um you have to believe you're this person it's not about uh yeah, yeah. it's not about actions it's about believing you're this person and i listened to that yeah. book after understanding freedom and i'm like yo this dude low-key gets gospel but he's making it <laughs> about like yeah. crossfitting or Running. business or <laughs> yeah. or something i'm like man he like this is truth right here. He he probably doesn't yeah. understand that it's actually, you know, gospel or like that what you believe about yeah. yourself, not because like, oh, I'm a healthy person because I'm a healthy person, um, but that yeah. God has done this thing for you. So there's so much stuff in there. And yeah. so like reading Brene Brown through the lens of gospel, it could you could yeah, learn some things, yeah. but if you're reading Renee Brene Brown as gospel you you're, might run into yeah. some problems.
3: Yeah, I was talking with Jonathan, I don't know, probably a couple months ago when he was in Portland with we. It's like, once you know gospel, all this stuff can really help you. But before, like, there's so many different things you should be doing to heal. I just got overwhelmed by the amount of stuff out there. I'm like, what should I be doing? But the thing is, throughout this whole time, I never gave into the lie that I would always be stuck like this. Because Jesus talks about peace. Like, he promises this peace. I just thought I had to figure out how to get there. But the thing is, I saw more growth and healing and development in the personal development world than I did in the church. So I thought the church had a place. I was just trying to figure out how to fit Jesus with all the stuff I was learning. I was like, I just don't get where this all fits in.
1: Hmm. Yeah, where does Jesus fit into my personal growth? That's an interesting thought, yeah.
3: So Yeah, I just didn't know how to reconcile the two.
1: Yeah. So you're on that journey. What what happens uh, next?
3: So in the thick of all of that was I. One of my friends, he uh, was dating this girl Sophie, which I think you know who Sophie is. But mm-hmm. so they she invites me to this Bible study they're doing at their house, and up until this point, I was trying to find a community, but nothing really fit. Like I didn't feel that was the thing, man. And I I want to say this was as much grace as possible, but. Being around most of the believers I'd been around, there was more fear and being in a a shell and kind of staying within your community and not doing much and growing and making an impact. Like, I just never really saw that. No confidence. And that's what I was attracted to. Like, that's what I wanted to see in my own life. But I just never saw that in the church. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of like, she invites me to this little Bible study that's happening. I'm like, all right, I'll go. Sure. Like, why not? I'm trying to find a community. I'm praying for it. I was open to something that came Mm -hmm. through. So in walks... Justin and Christian,
4: hmm.
3: and so I don't think much of these dudes. I'm like, oh, what's up, man? Like, good to meet you, whatever. So we go outside, we sing some worship songs, and so then I th- I don't know why they I don't know how it ended up being my conversation. I think I I was looking so hard for answers. Oh, this okay. I have the backpack. So when I was through the major part of my anxiety, my sister texts me. She's talking to me about this freedom thing. She's like, hey, hmm. there's this book called the last Adam or something like that, the new Adam, this guy named C. Baxter Kruger. Like, you need to check this out. Like, Jesus died our death. We were raised together with him. Like, sin's no longer. And I'm reading this, and, and I'm, I can only see stuff through my feelings and through my pain mm. that I, I honestly screenshotted the text and was sending them to people saying, how whack is this? Like, Sarah's off the rocker. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, neuroplasticity, it's a lifelong journey. I believe, like, it would be this lifelong overcoming And so when my sister told me that originally, like, it was, I was like, this is whack, you know, but like, it's stuck in my head where like, I knew it theologically, I knew what scripture said, Sure. but I didn't, I didn't believe it. Like, you know, but I I could answer the question, right? So somehow, I don't know, they start talking, like, they asked me what my relationship sin is. I answered it correctly, like from a theological perspective, I answered it right. And I'm kind of sitting there like. Yeah. Next question. Cool. I answer like pat on my back. Like you I'm actually like, right. knew the answer. You know?
1: Like that we were free from. And yeah. Dead too? I answered
3: it. I said Jesus died our death. We were represented with Him. He was raised alive, and now we're seated with Him in the heavenly places. Like that was my answer.
1: Oh wow.
4: Which
3: is which is kind of crazy. Yeah, but I didn't think it was applicable for some reason. I didn't fully associate myself in that because I, again, like I felt a certain way. I didn't feel free. Right. I didn't feel free, and. So, but I could tell when I answer that, they're kind of nodding their head. I'm like, man, what did I get wrong in this? Question? I had a but this, but that, but whatever. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I had all these buts that were associated with it. But what about lifetime growth and your brain? And I'm very logical, right? So I had a hard time understanding, you know, from what I'd learned up until this point with gospel. Right. Cause it doesn't make logical sense, right? Um and so then they FaceTime Eddie. <laughs> And he tells me his story. So I'm sitting here and I'm like asking this dude questions. I've never met him before. I'm like, so you're telling me that you don't feel this way anymore. Like you're legit free. Because my thing was, like, you're always going to be stuck with this thing. you have to overcome it consistently. Like, are you ever free from something? Like legit. That was my, I didn't know if I would ever be free.
1: So you were questioning so I'm, these I'm asking, dudes? Me a story. Like afterwards, you're like, they're talking about freedom. And you're like, eh, what about this? What about this? Is that what I'm here?
3: It's I'm face to face with them. Like I'm asking all these questions. Cause I like, I wanted it to be true, but I just, I like, there's no way like, but I wanted it to be true. And so Eddie's telling me the story. I'm like, how long did it take you? Cause I wanted to know how long do I got to do this thing? till I feel good. And he's like, man, that's not the point. It's knowing God, you know, Eddie, I'm like, I'm like, bro, give me an answer, man. Like no one was giving me definitive (laughs) answers of what I had to do from like a step by step. So I'm just like, man, this is crazy. And so I remember I used to be the dude where it's like, okay, everyone goes away. I want to sit by myself, think like, act like I was really into that. Like, you know, kind of perception. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, like, this is, I want it, but I just, I don't know, you know? But the thing was they had something and I heard this story of what Eddie had Mm -hmm. and what had happened in his life. And even though I couldn't believe it, I wanted it. So I was like, I need to keep showing up.
4: Mm.
3: I need to figure this thing out. So I just like spent a lot of time with Justin. I think Christian eventually. Christian was here in Portland for like, I don't who, know. Who knows where until. that dude like, is? I don't think that dude that long. is everywhere. Bro, he's everywhere. He just picked me up from the airport when I was in Dallas at like 5 a.m. Man. He drove like 40 minutes out of his way. And he's like, what's up, man? Such <laughs> so a good what's dude. Up, I'm, I'm, like, bro, I'm like, bro, you don't got to pick me up. He's like, I got you, bro. And then he took me to get breakfast. Wouldn't let me pay. I'm like, this dude man, this is I unbelievable. Um. Yeah, he's such a good dude. But so they were around. I remember we're in a coffee shop, and he lays out the 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 verse where it's like, okay, what sides Adam one, what sides Adam two? You know, what's what's the similarities between the two? And there's like nothing. I'm like, huh. It's just funny. I think I I can be a larger personality, so I kind of just took over the whole conversation because I was trying to figure this thing out. Like there's other people there, but I'm like, what is this thing? Like I can't logically wrap my mind around it. Like I was trying to logically understand Mm it based off what I've learned, and so. So then I remember, why did Christian ask me some questions? I think he asked me, are you ready to die? And dude, <laughs> every part of me wanted to say no. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I can't say, I can't say no. Like everyone's here looking at me like, what's that? I mean, what's that? So I think he had me pray. I forget what I prayed, man, honestly. But then, because Justin always talked about this idea of nothing changed, but everything changed. Like he, I think he kind of coined that. Yeah. And so he told me that, and like I kind of felt like that was true. I'm like, okay, because I think I professed it. You know, I confessed, right? I, I said it. Which there's power in in verbally saying it. And so I kind of took away that fear of agreeing with it. So something kind of started to change around this time. I don't really know what, but I'm starting to think differently. Like, is this true? Am I free? Um, which leads up to when LRT came into town. So. They come into town in November. And so I you know, I'm showing up, like everyone's so so awesome. So what's up, man? He's like, You're gonna see them, it's gonna be like family, and that's how it felt. These people are awesome. And for me at that time, I was so busy for me to cut out every single night for an hour or two hours. I just wasn't doing
4: that. Mm -hmm.
3: But I kept showing up. I'm like, man, this this is pretty great. I love these people. And then one Saturday, I think it was on Saturday, we went and hung out after like the morning session, Mm -hmm. I think is what it was. And I'm hanging around these people and i'm like man there's so much confidence here like these are people who believe faith but they're like cool people they're not weird <laughs> they're confident like i like i'm like this is crazy i've never seen this before i remember leaving like texting friends like you know that was different i remember jayla said something she's like honestly all this stuff could happen you know my family could get killed i could lose everything and i'm good i'm like <laughs> yo you're wild you lose everything and you're good. Cause at that point, like I needed stuff. I needed something to happen for me to feel right. Good. So she's saying this. I'm like, yo, these people are, are like kind of whack. Like they're radical, but it was still something I wanted, you know, like I wanted to have that conviction belief, but I just like didn't have it. So then it happens that night. So I text, there was this girl I was talking to. She wasn't a believer. And so I told her about like, you need to come. She didn't have an excuse not to come, so she comes. So I'm like, oh man, like this is going to happen. I get this thing. I thought I had gotten it at that point. And so I'm sitting there front row and BB starts talking. Queen BB. Love her. Yo, I thought when I heard Hui and BB for the longest time, I thought people were saying Queen (laughs) BB. I didn't understand it. I thought they just called her Queen (laughs) BB.
1: Hey, that's a good nickname for her. She's awesome.
3: I know, I call her Queen BB now, but So I'm sitting there front row and BB starts telling her story and I get emotional about overcoming like any movie. I just like have a hard time not tearing up. I watched Dead Poets Society the other day. I was crying my eyes out. But, and so I kind of start tearing up, but then it's like bad, man. I'm, I'm just crying front row. Like I'm sitting down with my head like this. I'm crying, weeping. She finishes up. And then I think the pastor goes up and he starts saying stuff. I don't know, whatever, but I mean, Justin comes over. Sophie's sitting next to me. They're praying. And then Eddie, I guess Jonathan, you can see I'm film. He points at Eddie and points at me. Eddie comes over. <laughs> and so he's <laughs> like, all this stuff is happening. I'm just sitting there crying. Eddie's just like speaking life over me, speaking, speaking, speaking. And then he goes, stand up. I'm like, no, I'm not standing up. Like I still was just like in my shell, mm-hmm. right? And so backtrack, when I was, I went to Israel 2016. And so while I was there, I was prophesied over by this girl. And one of them was, I've created you to be a leader. I need you to stop dragging your feet and stand tall. That's what she said, word for word. So I'm sitting there. I'm crying. And Eddie picks me up, man. Like, I'm 200 pounds. I don't know how this happened. Because I think he legit picked me up. Maybe I'm making this up and I stood up with him. But I'm pretty sure he picked me up. So I'm standing there like, yo, something different, man. And then the pastor starts talking. He goes, okay, there's some lie you've been living under your whole life whatever first comes into your mind, say it out loud. Three, two, one. I look at Justin, I go, unlovable. And it came out of my mouth and I'm like, whoa. And it was just like crazy. One, the vulnerability of like opening up like that. But two, I looked back after that, the rest, like my previous life was like, everything I was trying to do was to combat that lie. Like I thought it was unlovable. So I had to achieve, I had to be good at basketball. I had to be successful. I had to be attractive. All this stuff was because I felt unlovable and I was trying to like earn that love. So in that moment, I was like, yo, that's it. That was a lot.
1: Wow. So that just came out. You didn't even have to think about it, but that's that was the thing.
3: That
4: was the so, word that came of so my mouth. man. So what mind, did the,
1: so remember, the pastor yeah. tell you to do? Dude,
3: I don't even remember after that, man. To be completely honest with you. All I remember is walking up to Tyler and he said, freedom looks good on you. <laughs> that's all I remember after that. Um, so what what was yeah. different
1: from you from the Holy Spirit like revealing to you the lie that you were unlovable? Like what was the shift?
3: I think for me, like Tyler said something to me this summer where this is there's there's two steps for him and it, and that was the same thing for me was okay this thing isn't going to control your life but the rest of us so this anxiety this identity. Like, that was the moment where I'm like, okay, this doesn't have power over me. But I still didn't realize, like, I was free from stuff. So, like, there, I was in this in-between where, like, I was like, okay, I'm dead to this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I hadn't truly accepted I was, like, free. Mm. So, it was, like, this this in-between. But still, like, there was this difference where, like, I saw it now. So, every time that something happened like i could see the lie playing out like where it was coming from the thoughts the feelings the interaction with people like i knew it was because i that lie of unlovable was popping up so i could like name it at that point
1: wow so at this point you don't know if you understood all the theology you just you were just loved
3: i didn't know honestly i I saw the lie that I was unlovable, but I didn't know I was loved yet.
1: Oh, well, keep going, man. Tell the story.
3: I'm going to keep going. so, yeah, so, but I was still on this, like, achievement train. Be busy. I couldn't rest. Like, this is a big thing with, I at that point, I, I took my first Sabbath. And I'm like, yo, that was awesome, man. Like, I remember telling Hui. I'm like, hey, I'm going to Sabbath tomorrow. She told me to talk to me about it. But the thing is, I felt so anxious all day because I wasn't doing anything. Like, I wasn't re- – like, I honestly, taking a day off, I was so anxious. Like, I couldn't – I was trying to read. And I'm just like, I got to do something and like, all this stuff. It was wild, man. I remember that. Even the few of them, like, dude, I'm wasting a day. I could be out doing stuff, my business. And, man, so I, I still was on this, like, rest. There was – it was while Oh, man, I'm I keeping remembering stuff. So a year before, I'd been – I went up – There's a while where I'd go up. You know, they'd say, if you want to be prayed over, come up at church. So I'd go up consistently, Mm -hmm. right? Like I wanted healing. So I'd go up like every week. So I was like, who is this guy? (laughs) So I went up and this guy prayed over me. And like, because I was, I had these dreams that I felt God had put on my heart. But I've made it my responsibility to make them happen. And so I remember a guy prayed over me He said, God wants to bring you to a state of being, not doing, and then work in your life from there. So, there was this whole idea of rest that had been spoken. Like, I kept reading books about rest. It kept coming up, like, this idea of rest, but I, I refused to do it because I felt like I had to do what I'm doing to achieve what God wanted to do in my life. Like, it was so whack. But so I was just still busy grinding, working hard. You won't believe how many people then... live
1: like this, bro. Like, even people that keep Sabbath on a regular Dude. basis. They don't understand entering into the rest of the finished work at the cross. So it's like you on that day, like, oh, I don't know what to do today. I feel kind of weird. That's how they feel about their life and their relationship with God. They don't understand resting in him and just being like, this is what's up. You did it all. You've called me righteous. I am righteous. You, You say I'm this. I am this. And just praising and relaxing and and. And resting in that truth. You were doing yours was like a microcosm like a day, but people are doing this whether they keep Sabbath or do Sabbath or whether they whatever. This is like a yeah. unrestful generation that we have that we're living in.
3: Yeah, and so that whole day I was like, man, I gotta go back Monday through Saturday and do this thing again. Like I remember I'd be driving home counting down how many hours I'd just sleep that night. Dude, I'm exhausted. But I just I've always been once I set my mind to something I'm gonna do it and so I just like had a way of just putting my head down like I don't know how I went as long as I did doing what I was doing but so yeah so this whole thing happened so I'm still like grinding I'm still on the self-help world I'm still listening to podcasts and reading all the time and I'm still trying to like combine psychology and self-help with gospel to a degree Um, I still like I still I was I was stuck halfway in between like I think You know, Satan, once we realize we're dead, he wants to keep us in that middle ground where we're like half
4: dead, Mm -hmm. you
3: know, we're not fully alive, Mm -hmm. where I was like still like, I didn't realize I was over here and like everything was catching up. Like this is my identity already and I was catching up. I was like still here trying to like get there, Mm -hmm. you know, still. Mm -hmm. And so I was still grinding, hustling. And then I started dating this girl right before COVID happens. So COVID happens and honestly, I was really happy for a bit. I, I thought it was gonna be two weeks, right? Like two, three weeks. We're back to normal. So I wasn't I wasn't disappointed. I'm like, man, this is the time where I, I literally, I can't go do anything. I was so happy to not have that pressure on myself. Like, man, I just get to sleep and watch TV. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, sign me up, man. Because it was something that was placed on me. Like, even when I got sick growing up, I was happy because I, you know, took the pressure off. And so this whole happens and then it keeps going, right? And it was weird because I always thought like some of my anxiety was I was just busy all the time. But all of a sudden, like I have less on my plate and I'm still stressed out and anxious. And I'm like, what's going on? Like I have five hours to do two tasks and I'm stressed out about getting it done. I'm like, man, something's whack. So I'm still thinking like, what's going on? And then long story short, we end up, we end up breaking mm-hmm. up. And so this is the first girl I'd loved. Like she's an awesome girl. Um, but I think it was on a crash course, mm-hmm. like from both sides. Like we both weren't ready and it was on a crash mm-hmm. course because like still in the relationship, like I needed something from her. Like I needed her affirmation. I needed her to like me. And if it wasn't there, I was, I'd go into, you know, try to figure it out. And one, we're spending all this time together. It was just a weird mm-hmm. situation, man, to start dating someone. Plus our our past leading up to where we were at. And so at the time, I didn't think it was on a crash course, but looking back, it mm-hmm. was. And so we break up. And I'm just wrecked, man. Like it was finally like that thing that I thought could add value and make me happy and content. And the thing I thought would complete my life was having that relationship and finding that person you loved and wanting to be with them. And then it was taken away. Mm. And I was like, I'm so tired. Like I'm done with this. Like I finally came to the end of myself. Like I all of a sudden, like working hard wasn't solving anything. Mm. I couldn't work hard. Like I couldn't outrun whatever this was. And so I was just like, what do I do, man? I was so shook. Tried to get her back. Tried to do all this stuff, you know, writing letters, doing all this stuff. Doing the most. (laughs) Look at that. It's funny, but doing the most stuff, man. But then I'm like, I just got to the point where I was, I was so tired. I was like, why can't I rest? Why can't I just stop doing everything? And why is that? Like, why is that so hard for me? And so I remember I'm I'm thinking about, you know, quitting doing this business and just resting. And I was so stressed out, man. Like so much anxiety, so much stress. I'm FaceTiming Justin twice a day. My other buddy wants like, Should I be doing this? Is this right? Like and just, I mean Justin's so funny, man. He's like, Man, God put this dream on your heart, but you think you're gonna do it without him? I'm like, Oh, okay. Like Justin has an unbelievable ability to speak truth with grace, the most I've ever seen. Like he's, he's always speaking truth like very bluntly, but I've never felt attacked. And so He did that a few times. I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to rest. I'm going to quit. I'm going to stop doing everything. There's fi- I finally came to the end of myself. I'm like, all right, God. like I'm finally going to trust you and just see what you do with my life. Right. That was the first time I'd ever just like, all right, you got it. I've, I've been trying to do this my whole life and I'm tired. I'm stressed out. What if I just tried something else for six months? I can go back to this if I want to, but Let's just see what happens.
1: So what'd you try? What, just giving it all up? That, what that... So it
3: literally stopped everything, man. Like, what does that look like? I mean, I still have my job, but outside of that, I was like, I'm going to chill. I'm not going to read any personal development books. I'm not going to listen to podcasts. I'm just going to work. I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to sleep. I was sleeping like 10, 11 hours a night. Like I was like, I'm going to chill, man. And so I read this one book during that time though, because I was still trying to forget what it was. My buddy told me, Yeah, oh, something about free. It was like from sun, from slavery to sonship, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so this guy's talking about how people can have this big uh you know, ministry, achievement, working hard for God, but still be living with an still be living as an orphan.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And he said that, and I'm like Yo, that's me. I've been living like an orphan. And so during this time, there wasn't like a magical period, but I think me just resting and stopping and realizing that I'm still good, like was the first time I ever felt the love of God. Like I was just like a moment I'm like, yo, God loves me. Hmm. Like I could go sit on a log for the rest of my life, not achieve anything. Is that productive? Is that what I'm supposed to do with my life? I don't think so. But if I did that, it wouldn't change the love that I can receive, and that I am loved by the Father. Like that would never change. So that was the first time. All of a sudden, I was kind of like, "Oh yeah, that's true." And I'm like, "That's that was a game changer for me."
1: When was this? What what <laughs> is it near the end? Like, what near the end of COVID? We're still in COVID. So like, what time of the?
3: This was August, like August, July last year.
1: So you're being loved. <laughs>
3: So I'm being loved, man. And like, I think this is when it happened when I talked with Tyler, where I realized I was free from stuff. Like, it wasn't like this big ordeal, but stuff that I was still trying to like, kind of neuroplasticity myself away from doing. I'm like, dude, that stuff's dead. Like, I don't have to worry about trying to overcome this thing. Like, it's already been overcome on the cross. And I'm just going to believe mm. it. So... Like the gospel is so simple, you know. It's like God tells you who you are because of what something was done how many years ago, 2000 years ago. Yeah, you just believe it and receive it, and you just live it out. Like, you can overcomplicate. I remember when I first got going into the gospel thing, like, I feel like I had to know all these verses and this, and Romans 8, and memorize it and be able to explain it. I'm like, I got to a point where it's, I've been on this for a while, where I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm not even gonna read my Bible in the morning. I'm not gonna whatever. I'm gonna do the Bible study. I'm I'm leading, but besides that, I'm just gonna believe this thing. Oh. That's it. That's all I'm gonna do. And the thing is, just by doing that, I've grown way more than when I was doing all that personal development stuff. Like I look at my life and who I am and who God's making me into and just like pruning, and I'm just blown away by the stuff he's doing that like I'm not doing anything. It's just his grace. Like I've been overwhelmed by his grace and blown away by it. Cause it's just that work within us that just changes us. I'm like, that's all I have to do, you know? Like, after all, I was doing all that stuff, right? It's like, okay, I just have to believe this thing, and, like, his spirit's going to change me. And I'm like, all right.
1: I wanted to memorize everything, right? The first, Like, when I started, I wanted to memorize all the epistles and just know them. And then Dan Muller's like, man, just be the Bible. Just, like, let it become you. Like, don't Mm -hmm. read it for knowledge. Read it, like, as communion. And so I yeah. stopped cuz I think you and I may have similar personalities. I I <sighs> I stopped um reading it to so I could know it and started reading it in a completely different way. And mm. I mean I know the Bible now more than I've ever known it, but it's not because I've like mm-hmm. sat for hours and studied it. Like those verses mean something to me. Like, 2 Corinthians Mm -hmm. 5.21, I don't know it because I memorized that he who knew no sin became sin so that I might be the righteousness of God in Christ. Like, I know it because, like, that verse is so important to me. Like, when it says that I'm a new creation, the old is gone, behold, the new has come. I didn't have to memorize it so that I could say it in a podcast. Like, I am a new creation. Like, that's in me. I know it because I believe it and so yeah yeah man giving up that stuff and just like putting our weapon down and resting and then realizing like Mm -hmm. yo that's that's what he wants like he wants to just love us
3: i didn't think if i rested that things would happen in my life i didn't think god would actually work and so it's been wild to see how god's legit like just put things into my life and it's that's a crazy thing man like Like, a lot of the personal development world is, like, write down what you're thankful for, say it three times in the morning, consistently do that, eventually you'll be thankful. But the thing is, you're still living from the mentality that you went out and did it and you got it yourself. So can you truly be thankful for those things you have in your life? Like, I don't think so. But, like, when you just, like, fully surrender and you rest and things get brought into your life, you can't help but be thankful. Like, that's been the biggest thing for me is before, like, I thought I would have earned this new job that I got or whatever. But, like, God did it. So now I just just say thankful. And I'm not worried about failing because he brought it into my life. But if I fail, okay, that's not where I'm supposed to be anymore. So it's like true thankfulness is is just fully receiving and resting.
1: So you you mentioned you didn't think he would do anything if you just rested. But what is he doing now that you're resting? Like, what's happening in your life? Like, like let's talk about in your social life because that was a huge deal. You were the man, the funny guy, or the basketball player. What's going on in your social life that you see different than from before?
3: Can we put that on hold for a second and go back to my family? Do it. about what's Let's do happened, it. And then we can go to that. Yeah. So this was even before, I think, the whole gospel thing happened with at the church with, with all that. But I remember I'm reading this book. It's talking about generational Verses. stuff yeah. and how it gets passed down. And they're starting to see it even in our cells. And they're finding it, proving it through science. I'm reading this book. I'm like, this is crazy. But it talks about, it's like, okay, imagine the person that you, that hurt you sitting in front of you with all their pain, all their trauma, all that they've been through. So the first time I saw my mom, like, whoa, I just broke down crying, man, by myself in my apartment. Like, my mom wasn't trying to be what she was. Like, she'd been through a lot. And that's where she was at that point for a lot of her life. Hmm. And so instantly, I'm like, okay, I need to tell my mom about this. Like. I think in that moment, I no more, no longer had resentment for her. Mm. Like, I know I couldn't look at her anymore and drop any feeling of resentment. I'm like, I, one, I never wanted to forgive her. Like, I never wanted to do that. Mm. You know, like truly, I was like, I'm just going to move on, push it aside, be there. You know, I'll come around because I feel guilty if I don't. But I just wanted to move on and just cut that out of my mm. life. So I text her and we go to the, this place called The Laughing Planet. It's like a healthy Chipotle. So we're sitting there. I didn't know how to get into this, but I was like, I need to get this out. So we're talking, kind of BSing. um, And eventually I'm like, mom, there was a point in my life. I don't feel like happy saying this, but there's a point in my life where I wanted you dead. Said that straight to her. She starts crying. Like, but right now I'm sitting across from you and I no longer can call up any resentment towards you. And I think this is probably the first time that I can remember, I actually think I said, well, my mom, I love love you. I think that was something I never heard growing up, probably, I would say less than 10 times. Like, I love Mm -hmm. you. I heard that. But, and so we're literally in this laughing planet. I go over and we're crying, both of us publicly in this laughing, laughing planet. I'm like, yo, this is wild. But the craziest thing was, like, there was a moment where, okay, I saw myself differently because of the cross. But then... Because he represented all of humanity, like, he is the second Adam. Mm -hmm. He represented everyone. So now, like, with my family, with my parents, or with anyone, like, I can't not see them outside of who God says they are. Like, even when something happens or they do something, they act a certain way, like, I I can't not see them through the identity God continuously says over them and calls them. Like, I can't. And that was so big. Like now, it's like I actually enjoy going to my parents' house. We get dinner, and I just never thought I would ever
1: be here. When you when you told her you loved her in the restaurant, did she receive that?
4: Hmm.
3: I don't know. I think so. Hopefully, I don't know. It's probably a follow up question I can ask her.
1: <laughs> yeah. Be like, sometimes God probably asks us, like, "Do you know that I love you?" And I, th- I would imagine mm. that if she knew that you loved her, like, you would feel awesome about it. Be like, mm. wow, you get it. You do understand that I love you. It's like, sometimes we mm. think that we position God so weird. He wants us to know that he loves us. And when we realize it, he's pumped. He's like, oh, Michael, Michael yeah. gets it. Like, that whole time I was just trying to love on him and tell him I loved him and show him I loved him, but he just couldn't see it. But he gets it now. My son understands that I love him. I think that gives him great pleasure. Yeah.
3: Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I know my mom's going to listen to this, so I love you, Mom, when you hear this. But I'll tell you in person as well.
1: Dang. That's what's up. I'm getting choked up just thinking about that. (laughs)
3: it's just wild man like i just i had so much anger torture just the fact that that healing happened like i just didn't believe true forgiveness could happen because i was in this weird spot where the world tells you to forgive but don't forget the offense and all this stuff but it's like yo if i have everything and i'm a new creation like i don't need anything from you to act a certain way i didn't need you to act any way in my past like no longer do your your actions then affect me it's like you can then even kind of forget the action. Like, there's this idea that you have, like, hold this dichotomy of, okay, I forgave you, but uh, I'm going to push you away because I have to have these boundaries. But it's like if you're anchored, like, you can keep hitting me. And yeah, I might feel a certain way, but like, I'm good. Like, it doesn't change anything about who That's, I am. The
1: gospel doesn't allow. Most people's gospel does not allow them to deny themselves. Your gospel. Like I've said this, I said this in the last podcast, Paul's gospel, the one that he got directly from Jesus Christ was enough for both you and I to deny ourselves and to lay down our lives for people because it gave us everything. Mm -hmm. Like God doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't Mm -hmm. owe us anything. He already gave, he gave it all to us so that like all that we're sacrificing is that stuff that we didn't, we weren't. We didn't need in the first place our selfishness, our pride, our, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, why do we keep record of wrongs when we're also denying ourselves? That doesn't make sense. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Like, we've denied ourselves, yeah. so make sure you have boundaries. And I don't want to go into the, the whole boundaries thing. Yeah. Like, there, there's, yeah, a, there's a, a place for that. But listen, yeah, Jesus loves you so much, and he loves you enough. That you don't have to keep record of wrong. That you don't have to seek your own. Like you're good. Yeah. But unless we see the true gospel, it like the the Mm -hmm. whack version is not good enough. The whack the whack the okay news is it's it's okay, bro, but it's not it's not it.
3: Whack news. No, that's a crazy thing. Yeah, boundaries have a place, but it's like a self preservation. A lot of times that's what it turns into, but like it's just different. I don't even know how to explain it. you probably the same way for you, but like you can live from a place where offense doesn't get to you. I never thought that was possible. Like I'd always get offended. But now it's like you can feel something, but I'm good. Like I don't I don't get offended in a place where like I want to just like cut you out of my life or be mean to you or keep a record of wrongs or all that. Like I just I heard it and now I'm living it and it's it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, he's transformed you, bro.
3: Yeah,
4: it's wild.
3: It's wild.
1: No, that's beautiful with your family. Yeah. So, what? Where else are you seeing that he's moving in your life?
3: So, I had this weird belief that if I gave my life to God, I never. I was, I thought I'd have to be a pastor. I'm like, he's gonna make me a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be a pastor. <laughs> he's gonna make me. He's gonna make me marry someone I don't want to be with, but she's a good Christian gal. So. It is what is. This is weird. Like, and I think a lot of times you get. My dad was pretty stern of my way of the highway, which it is what it is. But I think I saw God the same yeah. way, and so, but so a lot happened. So I was like, all right, I'm just gonna trust and rest and see what God's bringing brings into my life. So randomly, this lady messages me on LinkedIn. She was my adjunct professor at NCU. She liked some of my work, so we stayed in touch. And I mentioned I've been interested in entrepreneurship. I've always kind of had that that interest in that plus i've always i've thought about life coaching and helping people from what i've learned and then all that so she messaged me she goes hey you know i have this friend that um you know he's a he's a life coach he's been mentored by john maxwell and you know i should connect you to i'm like that's crazy so i talked to this guy he'd only talked to her like they hardly knew each other you know i'd hardly known her so i started doing this i'm like all right you know but financially i'm like okay i have to pay a little bit of money each month But there's this thing where I think I've had this lie about financial of God actually providing. Mm. You know, that was the thing with with the network marketing and becoming financially independent was, um, you know, I wanted to be this freedom, right? The thing is, I was, if I need something in my life to be free, I'm a slave Mm. to it, right? If I need something in order to feel free, financially independent, free to do what I want, like I'm actually a slave to that. Because if I don't have it, then I'm not free. But I had this. You know this lie about finances. You know, very scarcity mentality, not living for the place of abundance of not like a ton of money, but like I'm taken care of and God's going to provide. And so I think it was just kind of how I was raised. And so there's certain things that God kept bringing to my life, like like life coaching that kind of pressed the budget a little bit, but I felt God brought it into my life, so I'm just going to trust. And so I start doing this, and at that time I went and played in an open Mm -hmm. gym. My buddy invited me to an open gym. Was late on a Thursday night far away i had to work the next morning but i'm like i'm just gonna go play and on the way man like i was trying to find that thing so i'm resting 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 like what's the next step in my life because i've been doing all these things and taking on what the world had told me was successful i didn't know who i was or what i even wanted to do like what are my passions i had no Mm -hmm. idea so i'm in this weird place like all right i'm gonna be in this season for as long as god wants me to be but i don't really want to stay here like i want to find out what the next thing is but i'll stay in this and so i go play in this open gym and I had this joy driving there that I hadn't had in so mm-hmm. long. I'm like, man, I'm so excited. And on the way, I, I like voice memo. Some of my buddies I played with, because coming out of college. I didn't want to go play. Cause I was just burned out tired. I was injured, but I could have gone and played professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely had the, the ability to at that time, but I just, I was done. But so I, I like voice memo my buddies. I'm like, guys, like if I train, like, should I, tra- do you think I can go play? And they're all like hundred percent. So I'm messaging Sophie at the time. Um, you know, she's a trainer. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to need help training. Like, is this something we could get figured out? Sure. And so I go play and I'm like, I felt a piece about it. I'm like, I'm going to try to go play professional mm. basketball. Why not? Like it's was put on my heart. Like I'm excited. Mm. You know, there was so much agreement from everyone. I'm like, I'm just going to pursue this thing. So that was kind of the journey of that. But I'm like, man, I had this injury. I thought my hip was jacked up. Turns out it wasn't as bad. So I start rehabbing, you know, that's more finances. And then once I start training, so. um, I have a buddy Jordan who's training me, who is an unbelievable dude. But you know, that's a lot of money, man. Five days a week, you're training with mm. someone like that's not cheap. Plus, I'm paying rent. Plus, I have this life coach. So I'm like, dude, I don't know. I honestly didn't, almost didn't try pursuing the ball thing because of that. I'm like, dude, I don't know financially I can mm. do this. But then I'm like, okay, if God, if you're bringing this into my life, like I kept being like, all right, I'm gonna hold God, I'm gonna hold you to your word. Like you say this, let's mm. just see. You know, I'm I'm gonna trust it and he kept providing, so I'm pursuing this basketball thing, and it was wild, like, you realize that everything's bigger than Mm. you, because I was worried about my finances and basketball, but God told me that, you know, working with Jordan, like, we've developed such a cool relationship, and God's used me in different times to speak into his life, at one point, he's like, this is bigger than you, like, you're also here for him, Mm. and I'm like, oh, okay, Mm. like, it's always gospel, it's always being a light, and so, I'm pursuing this thing. I get really into health. I'm trying to figure out, because right, we have the mind of Christ. we have been given a new heart with the law law written on it. And we have the spirit living in us, Mm -hmm. right? So the one thing that we don't have left, or that's still not been redeemed, but we're waiting for is this physiology, this body. But like, there's still a way to, like, I thought, okay, yeah, live by faith, not by feelings, but I also want to feel good, right? I want to not be tired, not stressed out. So I mean, I got really into I got really into what I'm eating, you know, sleep. Like, how do I maximize my mm-hmm. body? Not now to get achievement and to get people to like me, but how can I be more and more of a mm-hmm. light so that God can put mm-hmm. me somewhere, right? So this idea of okay, God, if you want to put me somewhere, because like one thing that I don't know, this is this has always bothered me is we need more p- believers in places of influence. Mm-hmm. You know, I think like there's this lie of money. If I have money. I'm not saying money is, I'm not saying it's like, oh, you God's going to give you a bunch of money. But I think like, there's this lie of that, you know, being successful, like people are going to see you as not being Christian. And so I feel like people, like some people don't pursue stuff and they just like, live from this place of humility, which it's more like, I don't know, self-defecation, but we need more people, believers in places of influence being liked.
1: Yeah, that's why I love you know? Trevor like Lawrence, my... bro. Like Trevor Lawrence coming out of Clemson. Yeah. I'm looking at this dude and I'm like, Bro, I hope you just like. I want him to succeed because he's at the top of the top of the the game. But dude is a Christian. Like, dude is like, I don't get my value from this. And I'm like, let's go! Like, I just get so excited when I hear that.
3: Look at Bieber! Oh, Bieber! What Bieber's doing? His new? Did you hear? his Did new I? TV?
1: Come on, man! I heard it like the moment it came out. I was just like, ah, I love it.
3: I didn't know about it, man. My buddy texted me and dude, that's goss. He's speaking gospel to potentially billions of people. I love it. That's wow. But yeah. So like, I just get really into health. And so I'm still pursuing this thing. I'm trusting God, like eating healthy isn't cheap. Right. But I feel like God wanted me to pursue this thing. So I'm like, all right, like I guess I'll, you know, I'll invest into that. So I get into this thing. And so I'm I'm doing a live coaching session with my you know, this is all me resting, just like waiting to see what happens, yeah. right? So I'm doing a, a life coach with my or a coach or a session with him, and you know, we're talking because I was kind of miserable in my last job. I'm selling copiers, not going well. I don't care about it, but I'm gonna keep working hard. And I was trying to, I was learning how to be content in all circumstances, yeah. right? But I think a lot of I was like kept myself there when I didn't have uh-huh. to be, um and so it was like, hey, just go. Like, what well, if you could sell anything, because I was worried about basketball, when I'm going to leave, do I want to go to a new spot? whatever. And so he goes, just go check something out. Just go look. So I Google, I come across this. He's like, what would you want to sell? I said, something in the health nutrition space. I would love to do that. And so I find this company where they're kind of revolutionizing the way supplements are, are used by doctors. And and, and I'm, I'm pretty good at seeing trends. And I see where the trend is going in the personalized care, what everyone's talking about, what they're doing. I'm like, I couldn't sleep. It's 2 a.m. I'm doing my resume. I'm uploading it. And so turns out the co-founder of the company, like they're all believers, which is unbelievable, but he goes, Hey, we need to find someone who's two years out of school. who's had two years sales experience, preferably Xerox. I was all three of those things. Like it was just like a total, it was a total God thing. But so that's where I'm at now. Like, I'm still, you know, pursuing the ball thing. I'm, I'm doing this job, which I love. And I like, I'm thriving in it. Um, but it's just been wild to see how God just continuously brings stuff into my life as I rest. And I couldn't have done it better myself.
1: That's awesome, man. So
3: that's that's been a trip. It surprises me every time.
1: So as as we wrap this thing up, I kinda wanna know if and I ask this question all the time, if you could go back to I don't know, junior year high school, Michael, maybe junior year college Michael, and just have a few minutes with this guy. What would you tell this guy?
3: One, you're loved. You're good enough just as you are. You don't have to achieve anything to change your value. You can rest a little bit, be yourself. Like people will love you for you. And I didn't know that at the time. Like I thought I had to be something else to be loved, to be whatever someone saw as successful or whatever. But like you're good, man like you don't have to be anything else but yourself and that's enough and god's going to provide and lead where he wants you to be like his love is the thing that's going to satisfy you you're not going to find that anything else outside of you start there and then all that stuff will fall into its proper place
1: so you probably don't think Jayla is as crazy now as uh, as you thought she was do you
3: yo i'm that dude man i'm that dude now like i'll say similar stuff to people and What? Like, man, I don't, I feel weird saying these words, but you can live from this place where you're good regardless.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I
3: don't think she's crazy. I'm
1: interested to see how basketball works for you in freedom because, like, I I loved basketball. I played basketball. I coached basketball, not at anywhere near the level you have. But, like, I was talking to my friend Katie. This is actually. Tyler's sister, and we were texting back and forth about basketball. Mm. And I realized just like within the last two years is probably one of the first times in my not probably, I know it's the first time in my life that basketball has nothing to say about my value. Cause it went from me like in high school and college, like how I was playing. And then like I kept on playing after college. And then I then it became coaching. And now like how well, how good of a coach I was and how, like, and it was always either taking from or giving me this value. And now like, like even how I watch basketball, like I love basketball, but I don't watch it the same way I used to watch it. Cause I would used to watch it like, oh, I, how could I do this? Or, and then it became, how could I coach this? And then it became <sighs> all these different things. And I'm like, wow, basketball has nothing to say about my value. And I'm interested to see in your life how you can do this thing, but it's almost like it's not taking anything away from you or giving anything to you. It's just dry and you're just doing it because you have everything. You're doing it out of abundance. Mm -hmm. And so I would imagine like your motivation and it would be completely different.
3: Yeah. Now, honestly, like my goal, I wrote it down. I wrote a life mission statement down in like 2018 when I started all this anxiety stuff. And a lot of it's just inspiring people to be their best selves. Like I've always try- strived to be the best I can be. So it'll inspire people to be their best. Mm-hmm. And so like now basketball for me, man, like one, I'm a better player. So I'm not putting pressure on myself. I just go do me. I mess up. Like I'm not putting the pressure on myself. So it's like fun. I can go out hoop and have fun, which is amazing. But Now I just see it as a vehicle. Like That's a world, the sports world, the athletic world, where I don't think there's a lot of gospel, and there's a lot of people where I was putting a lot of pressure on themselves getting their whole worth and value from that. And if God leads me to go play, awesome. Um, I know I'm on this journey for a reason, for whatever purpose. Um, But to be that example of freedom in that world where I think it's really needed for these athletes because it's like athletics is that one thing. I think it's uh, everything else, but it becomes like everything. It's such like a cultural thing, identity. I'm a Hooper. That's it. And so, and, and to go back to your earlier question where what it's like for me socially now, like I think the person I was always trying to be through trying, like just by believing like God's like, I'm just showing up as that person where You know, I've always had natural leadership abilities, and but one, I didn't believe in myself, and I was scared to be in the limelight and all this stuff. But I see how God's turning me more and more into a leader, Um, and just like loving people, being open, like having fun, just kind of being who I think I was early on in my life, kind of more of a light. I mean, that's our goal is to be a light, right? And that's that's for my reason of being my best self. I just want to be a light, Mm -hmm. you know. So people ask why, right? Like, okay, you can live this way. You can have joy and peace and be healthy and and all this stuff. And you can still do what God put you on this earth to the greatest of your ability, all this stuff. Um, But yeah, like I just feel like I'm who I'm supposed to be, you know, and he's continuing to prune me, but just socially, it's like, I know I'm love. So I'm not wait. I'm not trying to be funny for you to like me. I'm not trying to look good so you can like me. Like I like those things. Like it's fun to have humor. It's, I like fashion. It is what it is, but, like none of it is trying to get something and because of that like i feel like my like my influence is growing a little bit which is cool um and just being an example and an inspiration to people of like hey like you have so much potential like everyone has so much potential like they're in made in the image of god mm-hmm. some people just don't know it they don't know how much they can do and so if my life can just be like a small example of like this is where i used to be like i couldn't even talk to a stranger like i was scared to talk to a girl i didn't know what to say like Uh, You know, all this, I was, I was just like, lived in so much fear. Now it's like, now I'm Mm -hmm. here and this is who I am. Like, what the heck? Like, what happened? Mm. You know? So that gives people the, just the thought of like, oh, like maybe my life can be a little bit different. Mm. Let me ask a question. Maybe if I just tried a little and I stepped out and I pursued my dream. And that's why I'm pursuing that's like, part of that's why I'm pursuing basketball is like, hey, don't be scared to pursue your dream. Like you're good, you're provided for. If you fail, it is what it is, but you're gonna be good regardless. So just have fun, be a kid. You know, like pursue your dream. So that's part of the reason why I want to pursue ball is to show people like, hey, like you have this dream in your heart, go do it. You know? So now it's it's just so different, man. But it's just fun. Like it's just fun to see how I don't have to try and I can just show up as who I was created to be instead of trying to show up as who I was created to be.
1: Man, I love it. Are you going to be in Portland at the end of April? Are you
3: about to man, be
1: Man, we're going to pull up, bro.
3: Nick Let's Benzo? go. Oh,
1: yeah, I got a circle. 20 yeah, points, man, eh? we're going to be there. Hey, thanks so much, oh. bro, for coming on. I love your story, man. I love it because yeah, man, anxiety. All this stuff you were dealing with, I love to see that the truth has set you free, man. And tyler was right like freedom looks awesome on you um it's such a testimony that god's love
3: yeah man anxiety is not your final story whoever's listening to this like don't believe the lie you're gonna be stuck with it you might feel a certain way but like healing is possible not only identity level but even from like a physiological perspective so you're good believe it
1: let's go man all right thanks brother we'll uh we'll talk to you soon bro
3: yeah much love
2: Go shoot, can't stop we make it to the moon It's too late, can stop it, it's a boom No, I can't, I wait till you approve I got people with me on the other side Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride Coming out for the night, yeah, this that come alive Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive We stay alive, hey Ayy, 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 put your hands down yeah, we ain't coming questions, yeah, we bend down. Creed, I am a watch wash the hands now. We're from thinking, broke to living rich now. Hey, bustin' with the tools, you watch me slide now. And hey, she look kinda bougie, and she bad now. Hey, mama, think I made it easy, proud now. Hey, hey. kod only talk holy things i'm a prince that's rakim 23 check the rings fog on my feet on my soul jesus christ set me free only motivation on me now is heavenly lot of people trying to drain me of this energy i talked to god told me people's not my enemies i'm cutting ties with the spirits trying to play with me Go Case I tell we make it to the moon. It's too late, can stop it, it's a boom. No, I, I can't wait till you approve. I got people with me on the other side. Spirit on me too bright. I see they trying to ride. Coming out for the night, yeah. This that come alive. Coming out for the fight, yeah. We stay alive. They stay alive. Ay, stay alive.